0: Greetings, Maltopians, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Maltopia podcast. Join us on our new Discord at the link in the description to talk about your favorite series and episodes. And to help support us, give us a quick rating and review on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Discord. And as always, enjoy the show.
1: My life was slowly being displaced to my dreams, as the answer to my every question seemed no further than the space between my ears, and to acquire those answers was merely a matter of sleeping and, as if assuring my eventual relocation to the loony bin, loomed my growing indifference to the ever-present signs of the four-legged beast that housed a particular clan of serial-killing crazies within its guts. Still, I had somehow managed to place all the supernatural overtures to my little crusade into a revelation-proof box, shielding me from the grossest implications of my most recent experiences. (laughs) No small task for sure. The shack wasn't too terribly difficult to find, despite being secreted within some of the harshest terrain the forest could offer. This didn't surprise me much, as the man from my dream was probably as much animal as he was human. I had first-hand knowledge on that score, even if the insight only came from a dream. The thing had never been much of a structure to begin with, and time had remade it into little more than a lean-to of old rotten wood, yet the underlying skill to its construction was apparent by the fact that it still stood at all. As I scanned the shack's interior, it became clear I was in for a rough night. Something more than my imagination began painting a picture of events that might have taken place within. More than anything, I became aware that this was where the witch had first met the giant. I might even have been standing in the exact spot where evil reproduced itself, where a witch recruited a monster to her cause but there was an interlocking set of events missing. I needed to know what they were. I wanted those secrets more than anything, more than a Pulitzer, (laughs) more than a goddamn drink. I was hoping to find something that might make my night a little easier, perhaps a time-worn yellow journal filled with the satanic musings of a giant madman. But the only evidence that a human being had been there at all was the presence of rusted nails in the wood. A day had never passed more slowly. Sure, I could have tried to sleep to gain the insight I was after, but I knew that wouldn't work. Evil things don't work properly in the sun. No, this was going to happen at night, if it was going to happen at all. So I whiled away the hours, sifting through the shack, wandering the grounds, searching for clues I knew I wouldn't find this side of waking. Night finally fell, leaving me to the protection of my 38 and flashlight. Bedded down on what remained of the floor of the place, sleep came as it often does, catching me unawares. I awoke to darkness and the sound of something in the woods. Something big. As the shaking of foliage and snapping of twigs grew louder and larger, the smaller my revolver felt in my hand. There wasn't much of a moon, but peeking around one wall of the shack, I still managed to make out a shape lumbering through the woods, a bear. Snuffling and grunting, it drew closer. I silently screamed at it, willing it away as it made a beeline for my position. Maybe it smelled the few supplies I'd brought. Could bears see in the dark? Shaking, I decided to sneak away. I had no desire to test a handful of pistol rounds against something like that. Spinning away in a crouch, I knocked over an old lantern on a rickety stand. The bear let out a grunt of alarm sending my heart into my throat. I took off in a sprint, no longer in control. My brain had decided it was time to leave, but a crushing weight fell on top of me only seconds later. My temple smacked something hard. Stars exploded in my vision against a backdrop of blackness that I almost welcomed, but a familiar rumbling growl seized my attention, giving me focus. A low thunder that vibrated the very ground the growl came from between worlds. I felt it in my chest, in my fingertips as I clawed at the leaves trying to escape the giant paws pinning me to the earth. The rumble made the bear sound small, and it was soon joined by an echoing chorus of evil laughter. I thought I could almost make out words in the exultant glee. The roaring of two monsters drowned out the world as they collided, and the world went black, replaced by an older world. I was moving through the snow carrying something hot and wet. My large gnarled hand reached out to open the shack's door, a much newer shack in good repair with smoke rising from a makeshift chimney. I realized I was viewing the perspective of the monstrous man from my last dream. Once inside, the man set something in front of the fire, a horribly mangled baby fresh from the mouths of ravenous wolves. The ruined thing took a breath almost defiantly, and let out a wail. Its eyes shone black in the firelight like the eyes of a shark. This seemed to please the man as he let out a chuckle. The dream jumped ahead, still from the gnarled man's point of view, revealing the baby all grown up. Now a man, if that word could be applied to the thing that lumbered from the cover of the woods, he carried huge logs upon his shoulders. His face was more than scarred by his encounter with the wolves. It somehow looked demonic. Scars ran every which way across his head and face, distorting his hairline and shaggy beard, giving his skin the appearance of much-used leather. His height was astounding, with a physique heavily muscled and toned, yet unlike the ungainly proportions common to gigantism. The setting sun highlighted the giant as the man approached him, roaring
0: is that all you brung me you've been gone all day that's all you got to show for it
1: the older man's leathery palm fell across the giant's face the giant winced but it appeared more out of obligation than necessity and what had once seemed a huge hand now appeared almost childlike against the oppressive size of the monster his black eyes practically burned through his father, but the giant just nodded and strode away, carrying half the forest with him. The dream changed again. I walked through darkness in an intense downpour, heading towards a hollow in some thickets. Once through the hollow, a clearing revealed bodies everywhere, all of them mutilated and hanging from the branches of the few trees that occupied the dim space. On the far side of the clearing, I glimpsed the giant. He held an ax, Clearly, of his own design, the massive weapon was nearly as large as he was. He glared at me with those black eyes, the leather of his face conspiring to form a smile. The giant stepped forward, the gleam of the moon struggling through the clouds of a gathering storm as it settled on the edge of his bloodied axe. He wore a gigantic pelt coat. Its fur covered in animal skulls, antlers sprouting from its shoulders. The rumble of the giant's voice matched the distant thunder.
2: You have beat me. You have humiliated me. You have drawn my blood and raised bruises upon my flesh. You have tried to crush my mind. You have tortured me. You raped my mother. You forced her to give birth and die in the cold. You forced me into the mouths of wolves even before I drew my first breath. But I've shed your sins, you worthless maggot."
1: He gestured to the bloodied bodies hanging about the clearing as rain and thunder began to pour down upon them.
2: I have placed my burden upon these fools to observe how normal men might shoulder your evil. I did to them as you have done to me. See how easily they fell to your second-hand wickedness. See how their flesh split, how their bones snapped, how their very souls fled the touch of your foulness. And while your venom was potent enough to kill them, it has proven useless against me. You have proven useless against me. I still breathe. I still stand. I still rage. And now, after a lifetime of pain, we shall see how well you fare against me. But before we begin... I want you to look closely at this axe, father. I have sharpened it with every slight you have ever paid me. One kiss upon the whetstone for every sin. And now, at long last, you have honed an edge worthy of cleaving your own foul flesh.
1: I saw every horrible thing that father had ever done to his son. I saw the thorn bushes where he laid his ravaged baby to toughen it against the tortures of the world. I saw him toss his adolescent son into a pit of wild beasts to instruct the boy in combat. I saw him bury his son in a rock slide, leaving him for days until the young man dug himself free. The horrors were countless and beyond belief. I found it impossible to fathom that any one man could commit so many evils against another, let alone his own son. Even harder to believe, the giant had survived every one of his father's ungodly trials. The old man wasn't without words, however.
0: You ungrateful dog. You're what you are, cause I made you that way. You think those wolves would let you go just after the one taste, huh? You might have been tall. But it was me that made you strong, filled you with muscle, put fire in you. You think your whelp of a mama would have done that for you, do you? Hell no. She'd have coddled you, cried all over you till you was as soft as mud. Is that what you want? If she'd a lived long enough, she'd have threw you to those wolves and run while them dogs was chewing away on your gristle. That's what kind of cow your mama was. Nothing but a liar and a coward. So come on, boy. Let your daddy see what you're made of, what I made you into. And if I die, I die knowing I did right.
1: The giant thundered across the hollow, bringing the ax down on his father. The old man slipped to the side of the killing blade, belying his age and size. As the earth split open, spurting dirt and mud, the father brought his fist against the side of his son's jaw. The giant smiled, unearthing his axe and swinging it wide. Between the arcs of the massive blade, the father tried to put the bigger man on his back, but every time the giant's booming laughter echoed across the clearing and danced with the thunder. The father used every dirty trick he could, to no avail. In a gasping rage, I could feel the father give up at the realization that his son was toying with him. In the end, the giant hoisted his father into the air by his neck and squeezed. Staring with his black eyes as his father went limp, the giant shook his head.
2: No, father. I think instead, I'll drown you like the rat you are.
1: He hauled the old man into the woods, soon coming to the banks of a surging river. Wading into the water as far as he was able, he plunged his father beneath the black water. As the man kicked and splashed, the howling of wolves sounded through the forest. The monster tilted his ear to the sound and smiled, throwing his father to the muddy riverbank. A pack of wolves soon gathered near the banks of the raging river, surrounding the two men, snarling and snapping their teeth. Giving his father a final look, the giant walked away. The wolves parted as he passed Hale's tuck. The dream faded to nothingness, chased by the sounds of tearing flesh and booming laughter. I awoke in the shack to the smell of meat and blood. In the dim light, the bear lay in pieces around me. There's a comfort in darkness I'd never noticed before. Previously, the dark was just something to sleep through or a condition to dispel with a 60-watt bulb. It was always and only a thing to be overcome. I felt differently that night. With a living nightmare watching over me and a mutilated bear at my side, I felt powerful. The dog wasn't going to hurt me. There was a destiny set aside for me. I knew it. And the witch was more to me now than an obsession. She was a destination. I stayed in the darkness, soaking it in like some kind of sponge. I nestled into the nearest blackest shadow and I smiled like a child wrapped in her favorite blanket. I was changing. The next morning I managed to make a fire for some coffee. The smell of the cheap instant brew had a kind of reality to it, a hardness that scraped away at the idea of fate and magical darkness. The sun that rose above the forest, backlighting the solid reality of the trees and hills, further disarming my belief in some supernatural world. Even with everything I'd come to learn through my journey, I was still questioning the legitimacy of it all. It was the light that did it to me. It made me doubt my senses, "'even my sanity. "'I wondered if all this time I'd gotten it backwards. "'Perhaps it was the light that needed to be overcome. "'There was one more spot I had yet to sleep in, "'where the witch had once stood. "'Somehow, despite the light, "'I knew precisely where it had happened, "'where the witch had met the giant, "'a bald patch of earth just in front of the shack. "'I could almost see her shadow lingering over the spot.' I laid my sleeping bag over the site and made myself another cup of coffee. The day passed as if I were in another dream, sitting, sipping coffee, lost in thought. Were it not for my hunt for the witch, I felt I could have stayed there for days, unmoving, wandering between one world and another. The waning light retreated like an ocean, backing away from the things that lived at the bottom of the world, where they belonged, where we all belonged. The night fell over me, my flashlight forgotten, and as the sounds of the dark forest crept in, I welcomed them. It felt good to be out of the light. I understood now. The world was more than what the light could show us. At some point, I dreamt. This dream was different. The point of view was my own, and I hadn't moved from where I'd fallen asleep. However, the shack was no longer just a skeleton of wood. It was completely restored, even beyond its state in the last dream. It even had. electricity? There was a definite electric glow coming from inside, and I could clearly hear the hiss of television static. The inside of the place looked nothing like it had previously, but it was certainly recognizable despite the changes. It was my own living room. Sure, it was made from all the rustic detritus of the shack, but it was clearly a mixture of the two places. My TV and VCR sat propped upon a stack of firewood, and the videotape poking out of the VCR looked familiar as well. It was the third tape in the Witch series. I slid it all the way in and pressed play. The static transformed into the deepest black, and the screen seemed more like a murky passageway than a pane of glass. The witch's voice emerged from the speakers. The trick to cultivating darkness is to find fertile soil. Soil that has seen the ravages of the world and withstood them, even if it has become worn for it. While a little wear is proof of resistance and perhaps even strength, it is ultimately a sign of pliability. Generally, such souls and soils have been made intimate with the black facts beneath the world, the tenets which describe this horrible little box we live in as a place made for us to forever frolic, in pointless wonder, ancient children all. But, for lack of its creator's vision or passion— or both, the world became merely pointless. It is that truth upon its very firmament where darkness of the truest kind can take root and flourish. This giant man, this monster, was not merely a dark flower that bloomed from the loam, but a garden of blackest fruits. He hadn't only been ravaged by the world, he'd been eaten by it and he clawed his way up the world's throat kicking out its rotting teeth as he emerged this man was special and unlike so many others i had returned to the world this one i would keep until i would gift him to another
0: We'd like to give a special shout-out to our patrons who make this all possible: Hellenius, Zach Neen, Alyssa Lindler, John Nemecak, ADHD is a consultant now, Abyssal B, Coesira Luminarium, Peter, Sarah Zartolamna, Nick, K Davis, G Man, Andrew Knot, Thesis Ascendant, David Gregory, Ian Hagen. Jonathan Shank, Kurt Kornfeld, Deborah Carpenter, and Sarah Anselon.